You're listening to the Pitch Stack Podcast. All right, welcome to the Pitch Stack Podcast, episode 25. I'm Doug, and I'm joined by Matt. We're getting ready for national season. Matt, how are you doing this week? Good. Quarter of the way to 100. How do you feel? Uh, I feel I feel pretty good. I um, I don't know. It's it's really interesting to me to sit down and like realize that other nationals are happening. Like for me, Nat, like I don't know, Amerocentric worldview, whatever. Um. But for me, nationals are like September 25th and it's like, oh, Vietnam is over. And you're like, wait, what's going on? I mean, if it makes you feel any better, our nationals are worth more points because they know our players are better. I don't know if we're better, but we're sweatier. <laughs> huh? Oh, sweatier. Yeah. I mean, is, isn't that what it was? Isn't that the same thing? <laughs> when it comes to gaming, America is hands down the sweatiest nation on earth. Like it's not even close. I mean, there's no, there's nowhere near another country that's. I guess it would depend on like the game gaming. or the genre. You know? Yeah, that's true. Know. I'm just, like, I'm really struggling to find a really sweaty gamer that's not American. <laughs> I mean, all American gamers for the most part are very sweaty. That's true, and that's why. We have the strongest deodorant. Um, <laughs> yeah, and we have the least juice inch. That's true. Yeah, look at all the... Uh, that. That's a friendly reminder to pick up a nice stick of Mitchum uh, before, you, before you head to your local nationals. Mm. And I yes. say this as a, as a <laughs> native Floridian, the only deodorant that can last through the swampy Florida summer is Mitchum. I don't What's know. Mitchum? I've never heard of it. Really, it's the yeah. way you get through Florida summers. I assume Louisiana too. They probably have a swamp issue. I, Mitchum is just this deodorant that, like, I'm. It just is basically all it is is silver nitrate, which is like the shit that prevents you from sweating and and smelling. And then like people are like, I don't want that in my deodorant. It's gonna make me sick. And it's like, yeah, you'll be very unwell, but you'll smell great. And um, fair. I don't know. It's like I think one of my favorite things is like when you ever see stuff, it's like made with like natural ingredients or it'll be like 99% natural. Mitchum is just like 96% natural, which is really funny to me. <laughs> like I'm more of just like a, a a gel deodorant kind of guy. I don't really yeah, like Mitchum is shit. a gel. It um but it does great. It works well. Uh I don't know. It's effective. It's effective. That's what it is. Their new active ingredient. I'm just. I'm gonna pronounce it like I'm British because that's funnier. Aluminium sesquicyclorhydrate. Uh, that mm. is what is keeping you, keeping you from getting bounced from your LGS. Well, I think it's it's fine when you're like, oh, I need to make a my trip to the LGS. Time to put on that extra strong deodorant. You know, <laughs> you I want to be at. I want to be at a swampy, sweaty. Uh, Brine fest all day. I may as well put on the good shit. Just smells like a smells like a smash tournament. 
Um, (laughs) (laughs) Do you remember though in like 2016 where there was like that movement in the trading card game community for everybody to like, like, oh, just get it together, everyone. And like LGSs were putting up signs where it's like, you may be asked to leave based on your hygiene. I mean, I, I don't know if that, I hope that never stopped. I mean, I know the signs aren't like everywhere, but like, like honestly, um, honestly, people need to get their shit together. <laughs> I get I mean, it. Like, I, I get that there are, <laughs> this is a whole nother conversation. We're going into a tangent really. here, but fellas, fellas and ladies, please, please do your best to, to a show up to the game store, the way you'd show up to, you know, to work. Oh, maybe, maybe that's not a great example. The way you show up to a date. You know? Yeah. I think not, if you're going to dress for a date, how would you like to be hygienic for a date? Show up that way because everyone would appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. It's okay to stink at the card game, but it's not okay to stink during the card game. Correct. <laughs> I think that's 100% right, what that, needs to be that said. Is, uh, our, that is our plug for uh, Right Guard. <laughs> it's like all new Right Guard TCG. I don't know. <laughs> the cards have smell like <laughs> the cards smell like Irish Spring. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hand out deodorant That's tokens. Great. Um, phenomenal. All right, peel and so, stick, <laughs> peel and stick tokens. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. No, I think that's the thing. Like you know, I like mean, in the back ever- of the pack, you just peel off a little plastic thing and just start wiping it on your outfits because it's got like yeah. a little deodorant sample. Yeah, like you've gotten a deodorant sample before, right? Like, I mean, they're no. very uncommon these days. Like deodorant samples, they show <laughs> up say, on occasion. Where do you get like, a deodorant they're, sample? They're like they're the equivalent of like, do you ever open up like a first aid kit and then like whatever the hell their version of Neosporin is or whatever? Yeah. And you just like it's like in that tiny little thing. Like they do that with deodorant samples. They're not as common as they used to be. Like now they just use like that super like comically tiny speed stick or whatever. I, I know but, about the 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 travel size. I know that. Yeah, there used to be like gel packets, and um, y- oh, you could wow. put those in boosters. That's funny. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. You could, yeah. <laughs> Oh, phenomenal. Well, I'm sure, uh, speaking of sweaty, um, before we get to the Nationals, um, <laughs> and uh, LSS is tweaking the Living Legend system is one of the biggest oh, pieces yeah. of news this, this week. I, I kind of misinterpreted the first time somebody mentioned this to me. I, I think we like, all did because it's really complicated. It made it sound like they increased the cap to 3,000, and then my mind immediately was like, wait a minute, are they just unleashing Starvo? Like a month before Nats, I'm like, please God, no. Um, yeah, but no, that that is absolutely incorrect. Yeah, it's really interesting, right? Um, I think they're they're what is this thing that they said they're trying to do? That is four in, three out. I mean, they're just kind of like talking about uh, they're talking about this year so far as we've had four in, three out. That's and been in the, the article pace is what they're saying is that that has been the pace for the year. Our first year of living legend uh, accomplishments also followed for new uh, actually technically five new oh, four. Yeah, four. Sorry, four new CC heroes. So yeah. far, so far. And I think they're they're expecting Briar to get nailed at some point based on the way they phrase this. So it will essentially be four in, four out. But then they're also really vague about this, where they're they're basically saying they might tweak the amount of adult heroes that show up each year. 
And um, I don't know. It is weird. I it, it, They also, the way they say so far this year, it's like they start counting their year in June, you know? Um, yeah. Which is bizarre. I don't, I don't know that much about New Zealand, but I'm pretty sure that's not right. Uh, so, I mean, it's maybe the New they, Zealand New Year calendar, of course. <laughs> maybe that's the thing is like the, the big set each year is when they consider it like the new year. Uh, it might just be the, the LSS calendar. Yeah. Um, it is interesting to me, though, that they're expecting four to go out each year. That, to me, says one year from now, we will have a relatively, I use the word healthy very loosely, uh, living legend format, which I will think will be super fun. Um, Question. Yeah. What do you think they're going to be the first eight heroes, the living legend? The first eight heroes to living legends. Also, of course, we can't predict any heroes that are coming up uh, in Dynasty. And I also have a point about that, but any heroes coming out next year. So basically, right? basically, your question is of the existing heroes, yeah, yeah, do you exactly. think who, who will be the next five, essentially? Um, so I think Briar is a done deal. I think Briar will be LL. Um, I think... It's weird because they seem like afraid of printing more rune blade cards. And I feel like if they were a little bit more inclined to print rune blade cards, then for sure Viscerai, we could definitely wrap up in that. Um, I think Oldham for sure. Oldham is so dominant in the meta right now. Uh, so let's see. Briar, Viscerai, Oldham. I need two more. Fi, I think personally. That's interesting, right? Is like I think Phi is a very good deck. Just the meta right now is like very Phi needed there to be more mid-range and aggro decks to try and prey on Prism. And since they all disappeared, Phi is like he is getting absolutely crushed. And we'll get to it later, but like one of the weird symptoms of that is like every ninja card has just tanked. Uh that's how bad Phi is getting crushed. People are in cell mode. Um but yeah, I, you know, it's interesting, right? I think in a weird way, we can kind of look at Blitz success. Uh, and that's why I think Viscerai, Oldham, Briar. Uh, I think Phi is, a good, Phi is a good answer because we are getting more Draconic cards. I don't think Bravo Showstopper is a dominant yet enough force. So maybe I just say Dash just because Dash already has a ton of points and seems to still be putting up results and functioning consistently. That's fair. Yeah, I don't uh, think so, you're wrong. Yeah. Um, but what what exactly changed? Because I'm not totally sure. Like, I didn't. I don't know if I understood exactly what the objective was of changing this system. Like, what what did they actually accomplish changing uh, the the living legend points, like the distribution? Yeah. So okay. So that's another thing that I wanted to talk about in this article, right? And I mean, don't get me wrong. I have I like read at a fourth grade level, but the the thing that's very interesting about this is to me, when I'm looking through this living legend update, they're like, yeah, you know, we introduced four new heroes and then four of them got rotated out. So everything's working as it as intended. And that's why we changed everything. Like what? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, um, sound I get sound that. Sound I get the, um, I get the increase like because LL points, LL points are directly proportional to competitive gameplay time. Right. Like LL points are representative of competitive gameplay time, um, because they LSS can control how these points are distributed. They actually are they're essentially printing LL points every time they grant 
a place of ProQuest, a, a, like a place to hold a road to nationals, um, to hold a nationals, to hold a battle harden, to hold a calling. They are essentially distributing LL points. And so to me, it is interesting that my guess is they just have data on the amount of people playing competitively in ProQuest and stuff. And that's why they were like, hey, listen, we need to cut ProQuest LLs in half or else we're just going to start to see you know, in two months, maybe one card's dominant in a meta, or one hero's dominant in just two months of a meta, and then they're gone. So, yeah, it's interesting. Um, let's see. I think they said they want about a thousand points per product season. Yeah, exactly. And then fifteen hundred um, for Blitz, which I think fifteen hundred's great for Blitz. Um, just there's so many more Blitz heroes. Maybe they're starting to realize that Blitz is a little bloated and it kind of needs... Blitz needs the LL system uh, because the more... the like I feel like Blitz is one of those metas that gets uh, concentrated towards the top very quickly. And so, I don't know. It's interesting because they, they didn't make any real Blitz changes. They just kind of are like, there's enough to LL three heroes each year now. Which I guess is the same for CC. Hmm. So I don't know. It's weird. They um and did you notice that world championship points were never until they announced the format, it was never divided. It was always just 300 uh points per the world championship. But now that yes. it's announced CC and Blitz, your heroes that you succeed with in Blitz and CC will each respectively gain a hundred and two hundred points of the three hundred. Well, so this is interesting too, right? Like, I mean, obviously people are going to metagame for stuff, but like, uh, presumably, um, you know, the winner of the world championship will also have won a national champ. Uh, so like, we're looking at 400. I mean, that said, um, True. Oh, that is interesting. I did. I didn't even realize that like Canada's national championships were 20, but the U S is worth a hundred. That seems a little weird to me. Yeah, I thought it was more like uh Yeah, I don't know. I mean Canada technically is smaller, but um, it is, but I mean is our chance I mean is it And really I that? also I don't necessarily think that a, a nationals winner will have to be the world championship because you can qualify for the world championship with just a TI and you don't ever, you never even have to have participated in the nationals. You can win that PTI in a road to nationals. But if you're not first, you're last, right? Right. I mean, it's more likely that an experienced professional player has a good chance to win the world championship. It's no, yeah, you're you're one hundred percent guaranteed. Um, but like some some no one with like very little like official reps, but with like a ton of practice, can uh, win a PTI at their local uh, event and then just run it all the way up to world championship. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're correct. Yeah, I I I think like that. I said, it's unlikely. But definitely not out of the equation. So that's that's interesting to me. Um, so with that said, right? So they made some changes to the LL, and I think we kind of like guessed a little bit, or at least I did, at the players that I think are going to uh, LL the quickest of what's going on soon. So I don't know. Did, you saw that article this week, right? With the national snapshot that they published. So yeah, I took a quick. Or- I took a quick skim at it, and. Um- most notably, at least, because I'm not super familiar with a lot of names, especially not with like a lot of the Eastern 
um, Hemisphere players, but I do know who Nick Butcher is. Yeah. And he won the Australia um, Nats. Uh, he actually got to, he actually played against, he had the privilege of playing against our very own champion, Jonathan Owens. Uh, in oh, yeah. The, in the Pro Tour, and he crushed him. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, no, he won the Nats with Oldham. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if you saw the results for, like, the other tournaments, but my God, um, it's not entirely Oldham, but that is the deck right now. Yeah, it is. It's, it's, it's scary. I mean, it's a lot. <laughs> it really it's is a just lot. grandfathers, 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 Oldham. I mean, if you win one of these, terrible joke. Maybe you're getting grandfathered in. I'm not proud of it, but I started saying <laughs> it. I had to finish it. Um, you did it. Uh, so it's interesting, right? I think so. The decks that are showing up, um, we're seeing a lot of Oldham. We're seeing some Viscerai. We're seeing some Briar. We're seeing a surprising amount of Dash. And then the thing that I was not expecting to see a lot of that is showing up in these lists is uh, Dramai. That is weird to me. I mean, Dromai straight up won a, uh, a Nationals in uh, Norway. It was uh, Norway, yeah. Yeah, the 23-person Norway Nationals uh, got Dromai 10 LL points there. Um, yeah, That's that is weird. Noting. Congrats, Adrian. I think maybe the reason you play Dromai is Dromai does kind of uh, punish Oldham. Uh because all of Oldham's on-hit effects specifically say hits a player. Mm -hmm. um, and then you're able to build a board state that becomes too... It, it's, you know, we've all been there. Illusionist versus Guardian. It's, it's the same old story. Uh, yeah. So maybe that's why people play Dromai. Um, you also have like a very good matchup against Viserai. You have a very good matchup against As Icelander. Dromai? Um, yeah. Isn't that weird? I don't, I don't agree. <laughs> but hey, so, look, I have lost to Dromai before. I'm not saying I haven't. But th the thing is, I, it depends on the deck build. But for the most part, my, I, my experience has been, I usually win. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it's, I, don't, um, I don't necessarily know. Uh, I, if the builds I've been playing against were like outdated, outclassed, just not really like great. Pi Maybe it's the pilots. Who knows? Um, yeah, because I don't know if you've seen these new Dromai lists, but they are bizarrely aggressive. They yeah, uh, I, they I have run played a lot against one. Again. I played against one recently, um, and I, I was testing a weird brew that uh, like an aggro vis deck, um, and I won. But it was. It was interesting that they were able to pump out so many uh, Ashwings. It had like seven Ashwings at one point, but you know, at that point, I was kind of just like, whatever. Seven damage plus your Ravenous a turn. I mean, like eleven, fourteen damage maybe, and I'm still yeah. pumping out the same amount of damage, like or more potentially. So I don't know. It was an interesting, uh, interesting matchup, which I ended up winning, but. I did play against a um a Dromai once where like they just kind of overwhelmed me with uh with big dragons, the meaty ones. And it was kind of just like, well I mean, definitely not gonna just blame my own uh unluckiness and draws, but they played it well and the they were they, they just kinda had too much pressure, so they won that one. Yeah. Um 
I don't know. I uh, I actually want to put this Dromai list together. It kind of looks really fun. A lot of like you're running Ravenous Rabble, Spears of Surreality, Break yeah. the Embers. Uh, Blaze Headlong is very spicy. Uh, yeah, I like it. I yeah, think the, really the cool. draconic vanillas are underplayed in Dromai, especially like the tome. Yeah, I think people were like dragons cool for a while, and now they're starting to figure out, oh, okay, Dromai is just going to punch, punch, kick, kick, punch, punch, dragon, um, which is cool. Uh, where what? it's weird because Phantasm's not that big of a weakness in these mm-hmm. lists. Kinda Definitely cool. not. And uh, Dorantia's actually shown up quite a bit on these lists. I mean, in these lists of top eights. Yeah, I do think that's interesting. Why do you think that is? Um, the the Iron Song, uh, the new card from the uh, battle decks. Oh yeah, what is it called? Yes, the uh, it's called Battle Decks Exclusive no, Song. <laughs> the listening Steel Dance. Blade. I remember. Um, Blade card. Yeah, card thirty. Um, yeah, Glistening Steel Blade. I'm actually in the background. I just want to see. I want to see if it's worth any more money than it was. Yep, it continues to creep up. Jeez. Yeah, because I mean, it's she's still a decent choice actually, and to certain like heroes and stuff, um, she kind of crushes it. Um, but of there course, are four you know, of them available for under forty five dollars. Yikes, bro! What the heck? That's expensive. Yeah, let's uh, reprint that. LSS. Uh more than likely, I can imagine. Until yeah, I then, think it's going to be, be like uh, um, what it's it's going to be like that ninja card where it was only in the Katsu deck. Oh, um, I know, like lunging press. Is that what I'm thinking of? Is that the name of the card? No, there was a couple actually. Um, springboard somersault. Did you think? Yeah, I believe that is another that was one. in all of the uh, the hero decks. I think from WTR. If I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure they all had some sort of springboard, some assault to uh, educate players on playing out of the arsenal. Um, but I we digress. Um, yeah, no, Dromai is looking pretty saucy right now. I do want to test some more Dromai. Uh, I still am pretty committed to Visrai until I uh, I learn my lesson the hard way. I just got to keep playing it, and it's the hero I have the most reps with, so I'm going to stick to it. I believe in I believe in uh, reps over uh, meta, so I think that'll be your best friend always. Yeah, I mean, I agree too. And I don't I think, think this isn't even a, even a bad choice. He's he's performing extremely well, making top eights all over the place. So um, there's always a chance. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think even if you're like, if you if you have the most reps with like a less uh, prolific hero, like you know Lexi or even like Reinar, you have a strong chance of performing better than you would if you just decided to pick up a Guardian or a Briar, you know, a week before the event and think you're going to perform well because you're just not not as well as you would have if you just played your hero. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what uh, that's exactly what happened in Malaysia uh, as Reinar took it home. Oh, yeah, that was sick. I think Very they happy had to a see pretty Reinar large first. tournament, too. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I don't um, think Reiner's bad in this meta. I don't either. I think, I think he's, he's kind of a nightmare good. to play against if you're a guardian. Absolutely, like, dude, like, I just, I think the thing that go- comes always comes down when it comes down to it, like Reiner suffers from, like, it depending on the deck build, he has cards that just don't block. Um, yeah, 
but and the also dice you, you the game right and the dice sometimes you know you're relying on you you can't rely on it right and a lot a lot of newer players to the deck don't understand that um yeah that construction of course matters a lot too and the the deck the deck has a capacity to kind of just like oh yeah i'll block like nine damage and here's four every single turn yeah. Right. Until they get the Arsenal Blood Rush and the Tunic Counter, take some damage, and then they're going to beat your face in. Yeah, and they just bring that heat. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. that is interesting. I, I yeah, I think you're you're 100 correct. I've had that thought to myself where I think primarily that if Brute was really the problem with Brute right as a class is there's just so much additional variance added to the way that it works. That if they were able to do something to Brute to make it a little more consistent, then it would continually be in the top eights of these Nationals tournaments. But um, I think that that consistency will come with player experience and deck construction. Yeah, and I think you, you could see that in the deck lists when you look at them. Um, the inclusion of like weird like left hit, left lane, left uh, fields picks like Cadaverous Contraband. Are like really interesting, and you know it's funny. I I know a guy locally who like I kind of I didn't give him shit for it. It was kind of just like I don't know where this is going. It seems interesting, but I can't even attest to the power level of like playing something like a diverse contraband. It seems good because it's a six power, right? And his idea is like, hey, you get to flash out a barraging beatdown after paying for cadaverous if they let it hit. Uh, Oh no, you know what it was? It wasn't even that card. It's funny. I'm 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 thinking about a different card. Cadaverous is interesting, but the card I'm thinking about is Rifting. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, Rifting Cadaverous is, is quite fantastic. interesting. Um, I even have to look up Rifting because in my head it's just... It just lets you there. Kano any non-attack action if it hits. Ooh. Yeah, it lets you Creepers a non-attack action, essentially. That's interesting. And then Cadaverous just... Uh, pulls a card out of the yard on top of your deck that's a non-attack how many non-attack actions does this deck run uh just barraging sand sketches and uh blood rush that's literally it interesting yeah Which i think enough. there's yeah it's pretty oh, high roller but the... you're you're not playing high roller that's like a pitch block for three yeah that's true um the uh yeah, I, that is interesting, though, that it allows you to play it as an instant. Huh. Yeah, Rifting's interesting. Cadaverous Contraband is not bad because it lets you reset your Blood Rush Bellows to have more than, you know, more than just three of them. You kind of just reloop them. It's kind of crazy. And yeah. at worst, it's a six power you could discard. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I don't hate that at all. Yeah, this this uh this Reinar list is actually really fascinating. And in my quest to like I really enjoy now that I've like purchased the vast majority of legendaries, I can kind of just like look at a deck list and be like, oh yeah, I could sleeve that up. And I really enjoy that right now. Um although I and really one of the reasons that I am enjoying that is like you said, reps matters, and I'm having a very difficult time picking a hero in the post-prism world. Yeah. Um, I understand. Uh so Maybe I'll just retire onto the living legend. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's kind of how I felt about Blitz and like, oh, Visra is not legal. Oh, whatever. I don't care about Blitz. What's that? Yeah. What's, what's Blitz? What's a Blitz? 
What's a blitz? It's the way you get people hooked on this game. Uh, so they spend yeah. four to five. You just hand somebody a data doll deck and they'll lose, but they'll have a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> Here you go. Have fun losing. Um, <laughs> At so, least you will have fun. Yeah, absolutely. So Matt, other yeah. than reps, other than applying extra strength deodorant, you mentioned to me before that you have some tips on how to get ready for nationals, specifically the USA nationals, because that's the only one that exists. Um, well, yeah, of course, just, you know, uh, uh, you know, I, um, I don't have a lot of experience, uh, going to a large number of these events. Um, I have been to a few magic GPs and I have been to at least one, uh, nationals call. Yeah. And of course, other, other, other local, other local larger tournaments, right? Like traveling a couple hours to a uh, a ProQuest or a Road to Nats, that kind of experience. Yeah. But uh, a lot of people actually don't have never traveled or gone to a large tournament like the Nationals or Pro Tour or anything like that, right? Because there's still, of course, uh, Pro Tour next year. There's Nats this year. There's Worlds at the end of this year, right? And a yeah. lot of people don't have that kind of experience going to a large convention center prepared to play trading card game for, you know, upwards of like 10 hours. Right. Or depending on how long you get, how early you get there, how late you leave. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> um, and there's a lot of things you may not think about. So uh, I think it's worth mentioning uh, and helping people with a little kind of like Ned's guide style uh, advice piece in our podcast here uh, and how to prepare yourself for the best to be the yeah. best you can. So absolutely. One of my, I, God, yeah, I'm and, so old. I didn't get that Nets guide <laughs> reference. I had to look it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny. That was kind of like a, that was like a Oh six, like Oh four era, like Nick show, I believe. Right. Yeah. I was in college. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> actually that was a little bit later than that. I think it was like, Oh eight, but either way, um, you know, and let and let me know what, what, uh, if you have any other um, suggestions besides the ones I'm gonna kind of throw your way and see what you think. But uh, so I would recommend at the almost near the top of the list uh, a water bottle, a refillable water bottle, right? And that makes sense unless you just like spending two dollars on soda every time you're thirsty. I would recommend bringing a refill bottle, water bottle, or having to run to the uh, water fountain near the restroom every single time you want to drink. Do not recommend dehydration. Not fun. Um, bring some kind of aluminum water bottle. You can kind of refill, throw some ice in, and just drink throughout the day. Keep yourself somewhat hydrated, right? Because you do not want to be there in the middle of a game. Your mouth is all dry. You're desperate for water. It's not fun. I'm telling you right now. Yeah. What do you think? Oh, no, I think that's a hundred percent correct. I, uh, I think, I don't know. It's really weird, but people like, uh, people vastly underestimate like how easy it is to get dehydrated. Um, and especially like, I mean, North Carolina is obviously a little bit cooler in September, but you're just like, it's one of those things where like when you're playing trading cards for that long, you are going to forget to eat. You are going to forget to drink. Um, right. so yeah, definitely. I mean, that and, and, and that's a, another big point, too. I have, a, I have a handful of points about that. Um, make sure to bring cash 
some kind of cash, right? Um, I, I don't necessarily think this is the most important thing. Uh, you're, it won't be the end of the world if you don't, but I think it'll be helpful to have um, options because sometimes these places may not have a working cart swiper or they only take cash. I don't know what kind of place would only take cash, but you never know. Like some bullshit might happen and they're like, oh, sorry, we're only taking cash today or something, right? And you don't want to be like, yeah. shit, I don't have enough time to go over to this other line and wait and order a pizza. I have 10 minutes before my round starts or not even, right? So you don't want to be in that situation. Just bring both your card and cash. Um, and not like, I'm not saying bring like $1,000 in cash so somebody could just steal it from you and you you get screwed. No. Just bring bring rolls of quarters. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just bring like 30 bucks in cash. With. 30 bucks in cash will at least get you through a day or two days of eating, right? Yeah, it's like four rolls of quarters. Exactly. Um, and then on top of that, though, not just that, if you're willing to put in the extra effort, um, this, of course, requires so much extra effort, because if you're traveling, you're going to have a harder time making a meal. But try to maybe sneak in a packed meal. Like, nobody's yeah. going to be searching your bags as far as I've had experience going into any convention center GP thing, right? I'm not saying it's out of the question. They might. I doubt it. Um, but like pack a fucking sandwich and whatever you want, you know, put it in, a, in your, in your backpack with your decks and sneak it in. So you don't have to wait in line for food in between rounds. Cause you might not have enough round time. You just played a 55 minute match against old him. You're waiting on like five games that have gone to time. You're not going to have time to run outside, grab a taco boat, eat it, and then come back inside to sit. You're going to get an IP five. Yeah. I mean, imagine showing up with an Oldham deck and not a packed sandwich. Yeah, that'd be really dumb. <laughs> expect expect to eat. If you're playing Oldham, expect to eat running to your next round. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, That's actually honest. Honestly, game. this is super serious. Super serious. If you're if you are playing a Guardian slow deck, even if you're not like think about it, at least. But if you are playing a slow deck, consider planning for you not having a second between rounds to actually go buy a drink or food. Just yeah. plan for that. And if you have time, awesome. Go buy that nice taco bowl. But if you don't have time, pound that ham sandwich. Yeah. I mean, the, uh, and this is like the slowest metagame we have ever had in, in the history of competitive fab. So uh, yeah, I think you're hundred percent correct. Even if you're not on Oldham. Yeah. Go for it. Another important thing that you might not think about or a couple things that may seem either obvious uh dubious or just like a little bit too prepared bring dice it seems obvious bring dice your opponent may not have dice and you don't want to see, sit there stuck like oh uh how much pitch do you have or how much extra power is on this or how many rune chance do i have judge my opponent didn't mark how much you know just don't be there you don't want to be there. Just bring the fucking dice. Put it on the table. Sorry. Um, and also, pen and paper, life tracking pad. Something like that. That's not your phone, and that's yeah. not dice, because you're not going to be allowed to use dice to track life, total, life totals. Yeah, no, 100%. That's the... Uh... That is a bad habit of like just local casual play. It's not bad to do it there, but if you're playing in a professional tournament or competitive tournament, you've got to have Pen and paper for life tracking or one of those 
etch a sketches, you know, eraser pads for tracking life totals. Yeah, some way you can go back and reference events if there's a discrepancy. Correct. Um, another thing is, if you can afford to, new, sle- new sleeves. And maybe that's something yeah. I just thought of recently when I was writing this list. I'm like, hey, you know what? It would be a great idea just to have a pack of fresh sleeves in my bag. Why? Imagine having a sleeve split on you and you're in the middle of the round. You're like, got to scramble to buy new sleeves. Or, yeah. or your, your deck's kind of like looking, you know, too funky and it might not pass a deck check. Or somebody might call a judge on you because they think you have marked cards, right? Make sure your sleeves are pristine. The sleeves that you've been using for the last year on that deck, do not use them. It is not worth the, D, the you know, the not DQ because you'd have to actually be cheating to get that. But, you know, or the potential. I mean, who knows what kind of judge you get, but. You know, it's not worth the the penalties for having potentially marked cards or curled cards, you know. Um, yeah, absolutely. And uh, as far as like materials and stuff go, uh, one other extra thing that might be helpful, it depends on like what you do when you're at these kinds of events. Like if you like to go around, do trades, you like to go around, like buy stuff in cards and singles or whatever. Have a deck box with an extra compartment or just an extra plastic, like, you know, cheapo deck box just to toss that stuff in. Right. Or just somewhere to put it like a binder or another box, like I said. Uh, So you just put it in there, forget about it, and then don't have to, like, uh, worry about stashing it into your binder one page at a time while you're trying to get to another round or whatever. I don't know. It just seems like a nice, like, extra good thing to have. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't know if you have any suggestions for other material things to bring. Ooh, uh, material things to bring. Let's see. You want your dice. You want your life pad. Uh, you definitely want. Huh? I'm I mean, also going to assume everyone a has a, I'm also going to assume everyone has a backpack. I'm not sure I need to, uh, ask you to bring a backpack, but, um, Ooh, I did forget one thing. A yeah. sweater. Oh, yeah, that's true. Uh, you could be put somewhere weird in the corner of the room with super cold. Yeah, or you're just in a really cold convention hall. It sucks. Yeah. It really sucks if you have to sit there in the cold all day. It is not fun. You will not be able to focus very well. Absolutely. I remember one time I went to a Magic Grand Prix um, super early in the morning, and it was cold, but it got hot in the middle of the day, so it's good to have a sweater. But I do remember, like, because of the humidity and then blasting the AC, just everything was covered in a layer of, uh, of cold fog. You know what I mean? Like steamed up. That's not the word I'm looking for, but you know what I'm talking about? I know exactly what you mean. Um, it was funny because day one of the, uh, the calling in Orlando, uh, last year for Nat, uh, the day one was like, uh, hot. So I brought my sweater. I'm like, shit, it's hot. I'm like, I got to take this thing off or wrap it around my waist. Like, I can't wear it. And then the next day I didn't bring it. And they decided to turn the AC up. I'm like, Oh my <laughs> God, killing myself That's here. Amazing. Then the next day I brought it in and it was hot again. I'm like, <laughs> it was terrible. Oh, uh, that is amazing. Um, and, and here's another, um, little section. I think this definitely worth mentioning is tournament, um, tournament advice. Right. Yeah restroom break between rounds if you have the time 
just make sure you run to the bathroom real quick. At least walk towards there. Just to use the restroom if you need to use it. Absolutely. Just in case, because you don't want to have to hold that in during a match or want to use a restroom at the end of the at the end of the round and realize, oh, I gotta use the restroom. Then they announce pairings and you're like, oh, I'm gonna be late. No, yeah. don't do that to yourself. Um, avoid those tardiness penalties. Those are very brutal. Um, they have a three to ten minute uh, tardiness uh, policy for comp REL competitive. So if you're day one of the calling, that's three to ten minutes. To three minutes to get to your to your table for an IP three. Uh, ten minutes for a uh, match loss. So you don't want that. Yeah. And uh. And if you're playing professional, forget it. You have to be in your seat when the round when the timer starts. Otherwise, that's an IP three. Ten minutes after, that's a that's a match loss. So, the, definitely do not throw your matches over not having used the proper time to use the restroom. Um. Also, have a couple recommendations about the tournament as well as bring back up deck list sheet. Right, write your deck list if you can. Uh, as soon as possible or as close to the event as possible so you know what you're running. Bring an extra deck list sheet just in case. Because if you need to make a change last second or there's something wrong with your deck list, you're ready to go. You don't need to wait for them to go get you a deck sheet and bring it over to you wherever you are in the convention hall. You're going to be wasting precious minutes. So just bring an extra deck sheet. Uh, one, well, not one, but uh, another couple things I want to mention is shopping. Uh, there's always going to be vendors at these kinds of uh, kind of events. You know, either artists selling proofs or stores selling boxes, singles, and other materials and stuff. And of course, you have the uh, ticket redemption for the side events and everything, right? Uh, if you're shopping, I, this is just my perspective and my opinion. So... I could be wrong on this and maybe, you know, you know, people who, uh, who buy and sell stuff on a regular or know the owners of the shop, you have a better idea of this. But in, in my perspective, I think that shopping for rarities and high end items should be done day one. Yeah, that's true. Because these things won't always be there and somebody's going to come by, see that cool card signed signed and graded 9.5 tunic and they're going to snatch it and you want that opportunity right yeah i mean as more people drop more people are going to go into shopping mode correct now if you're looking for deals on sealed singles shop the final day yeah that because they don't want they want to carry as least amount of things possible back so most places like these convention things, right? This is just a general rule for the conventions and stuff. If you're shopping for deals, right? On like things that they're moving a lot of like singles and sealed, not, maybe not so much singles, but sealed stuff, especially, um, and just like materials, right? Uh, like accessories or whatever shop the final day. Cause you'll get deals. They will have deals. Prices will change. When I was at Nats last year, I remember literally the prices of the boxes, they would have them on LCD screens. On like the day one, they had prices, and by day three, they're like ten dollars cheaper. Yeah, I mean that. Uh, 
That makes sense. They either just demand and what they want to come back with. Or they're deal- doing like case deals or something, right? Because they just, it, it's just much easier for them to sell the product there than have to move it all back. Yeah. And they all bring that stuff for a reason and it's to sell it. It's not so they can bring it, show it, display it, and carry it all back. If they could sell all of it, awesome, amazing, right? And yeah, if that absolutely. means if that means taking like cuts on their margins, totally fine. Um, and another thing is this also, of course, is very, very variable. It's going to change person to person and event to event. But you can buy and sell these tickets earned at side events, and a lot of people do. Um, and I think the advice I want to give is if you're buying, buy as early as possible. And if you're selling them, sell as late as possible. Does that make sense? I'm not sure if that's like even logical, but to me, it seemed like more people were willing to pay more for these tickets at the end. When they are scrambling for the last few. I mean, there's also the, uh, there's also like a cutoff point. I feel like at the end of oh, these where you're absolutely like, you need for to sure. all these immediately. Um, yeah. Almost nothing. Correct. We're like, oh yeah, that's the thing. It's like a balance because there's also the effect of you being as a seller wanting to get rid of these things. Cause well, you're not just not going to either. You don't have enough for them for the thing you want, or you don't even want to use your tickets because you just don't want to buy over overly marked up stuff for the amount of value these tickets are right so i would consider maybe a middle ground like a day two deal um would not be a bad idea or finding a single buyer yeah that makes sense i think yeah i mean finding a single buyer obviously is going to be the best case scenario uh because then you'll only have to negotiate a price once um yeah it's not like Um, going right for these for sure. Do you have any other advices um, as far as like uh, materials to bring in or tournament advice that I maybe I maybe I miss something? I don't know. I mean, I guess really the only advice that I have is um, don't go to the restaurants right next to the convention center because uh, <laughs> that's what everybody else will be doing, and you'll be stuck there for a mm, long time. Very true. I would also say it depends on the convention center. That's true. I because, mean, downtown Charlotte, there's going to be a lot of places to go. Oh, awesome. I didn't know that. I've never been to downtown Charlotte. Yeah, um, because, city. well, yeah. I'm, so my experience with convention centers was the Orlando Convention Center. Oh, yeah. The, that, one, the orange, that one's so the bad news prob- bears. Uh, the problem with that one is that um, there's nothing next to it. It's like it's enclosed almost. And on the inside, like they have the little stands they open up like bakery, pizza, like taco stand and like chicken tenders or whatever. But if you want to get anything else to eat, you literally have to walk outside and walk like two miles in one direction. And that's just not like there's not like you can be like walk outside the convention hall door, walk like a quarter mile or even or like a quarter mile and there's a Mickey D's. Right. That's just not reasonable at all. <laughs> it's not uh, it's not ideal. So, yeah, at least scout the food areas for sure. Like what your options are. It's definitely yeah, a good for idea. Sure. Uh, Charlotte is a uh, Charlotte's like a very 
like um I don't, like it's it's not like Orlando. Like you will be able to walk wherever you want. Um, oh sweet, Charlotte's really cool. Charlotte is really really cool. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I guess the uh, I I really don't have any other advice. It's been it's been a really long time since I've been to one of these things. Um, I guess just like don't put Twinkies on a pizza. Oh. I don't know, man. That could sound like some pretty sound advice, depending on who you are. It's true. I don't know. Have you had Twinkies on a pizza? Uh, it's from a movie that I'm realizing now is very dated. Oh, well. Uh, I wonder how that tastes, actually. I'm just curious. Like, morbid curiosity. There's like, it's from this, uh, it's from this Disney movie called Heavyweights. And just like at the very end, they have like this just like blowout feast of a party. And they find like one of the kids face down on a lawn the next day. And they're like, are you okay? And he just like rolls over and he goes, don't put Twinkies on a pizza. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> that's a, that's, <laughs> that's one of my favorite movies. Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess that's this is one of those things where uh, hopefully at some point I'll be able to go to one of these big flesh and blood things this year. Uh, whether yeah. it's another calling or worlds. Um, Man, that'd be cool. Um, is, I, I don't Blake think I'll be trying able to... to Blake's trying to organize people going to Florida Panthers versus San Jose Sharks game at Worlds, and I'm a diehard Florida Panthers fan, so I don't know. Ooh, is that going to take place at the same time? Yes, that's why well, he's trying to organize it. Oof. Well, hopefully you at least get to go out to Worlds. Maybe not that day of the game, but uh, one of the preceding or the following days. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. It'll be interesting. Yeah, um, and and uh, I'll be tuning in from Worlds, uh, from uh, Nationals, and hopefully Doug will be tuning tuning in from Worlds. Yeah, right. I uh, I think it's interesting. Um, that said, though, um, this concludes Matt's guide to Nats. <laughs> yeah, and I think really, um, I think really the only the only other thing that we have to discuss this week is the uh is the shifts in prices and tracking cards um i there really isn't a lot to mention right now because the meta has kind of stalled um and it is interesting i i i i'm slowly adding my algorithm um that matt saw i have this giant spreadsheet of prices oh yeah Uh, i finally got to see it i mean We've been talking about this for a while. It's funny. Um, and I, I only just realized that this is uh, something I can look at. I thought it was just a personal private. No, <laughs> I yeah. This, I, I, I just was actually, we discovered honest. in the pre-show that I, so I, I thought I had shared this with Matt and I guess I forgot to, but in my, in my head, I had sent this to him and he was like, whenever he would like bring up prices and we talk about it, I'd be like, oh yeah, I guess he's referencing the sheet. <laughs> I just realized I never shared it with him. And I was like, I, I have this whole thing built with like two months worth of card prices and tracking data. It's really great. Um, I'm glad now that using... we are literally on the same page. <laughs> yeah, no, actually, I've been using TCG <laughs> player and then kind of just like checkboxing legendary, fable, Marvel, high to low, flesh and blood. Okay, cool. Now I get to scroll and look at all the prices. <laughs> yeah, but actually, um, no, this the day the data is great. Um, we have a system here showing uh, the the lowest the price of a card has ever been, and um, currently I'm still implementing it 
legendaries. It's in for all the fables. Um, oh, I yeah. Believe, I believe as far as legendaries go, the ones that are at their all-time lowest as we speak are Vestige of Soul. Obviously, nobody's playing Bolton. Um, and then the, uh, the other one is Crosswrap because uh, no one's playing Azalea. You know, uh, on, on a separate, somewhat related note, I think Bolton's kind of scary, man. He is. It's just the uh, the lack of card consistency and the Bolton. Bolton to me on a certain level functions very similar to Briar, but without the card advantage. Where with Briar, you're kind of just like you have enough good cards to stall you out to a channel mount heroic turn. Where with Bolton, you're just chilling and you're hoping you hit the right cards. Um, yeah, for sure. I, I understand that. It's just like when he does pull it off, though, you're like screwed royally. So, uh, oh yeah, here, this is interesting. The, I mentioned this earlier in the show, but I almost forgot about it. The other card that is at its all-time lowest, and I I gotta be honest with you, Matt, I, I don't see this card going any lower, uh, is Tiger Stripe Shuko is a $47 card right now, oh, which is insane. This thing was cheap. at $100 for so long. It was more than um, 100 for a while. Crazy. 47 big ones. Uh, that is crazy to me. I um, I mean, I think that has to do with Prism disappearing. Uh, Briar, oh, absolutely, absolutely. Briar is kind of. I have played Briar is the aggro deck of this format. Briar can go tall enough to beat a lot of these guardian decks. And if I'm being honest, um, as Briar, I always felt pretty good against uh against Fi. Um, and I think that's what's pushing Ninja out of the meta. Uh. With the fall of Prism comes the rise of Dramai. So if you were looking to get footsteps for cheap, you are still looking. Uh, which is yeah, quite sadly. delightful. Sadly. Um, I was kind of hoping it would drop quite a bit after Prism's LL. And it has not. Yeah, it has not. There are... Um, let's see. There are three cards that I need to finish my set of legendaries. One of which I will be picking up this week because it is at its all-time low. And that is Doomsday. Um, Yeah. I think Levia has enough of a fan club, if you will, that we will not see this card ever go below $20. Um, Unfortunately, the other two I need are Heart of Ice, which is uh, sitting at $115 forever and ever, and then New Horizon, which I refuse to pay full price for. But think Um, about this, man. Think about this, right? It, It right now is probably not really that great, right? Imagine it's, when it's, never it's been actually good. It's never been that great. Yeah, but imagine yeah. when it's actually good and you're going to yeah. need it. <laughs> just, just consider that. That's all. Just consider the price of New Horizons now. We'll revisit think, this uh, in a few months. Do <laughs> you think that's enough to make it the... Um, God, what is that? Currently the fourth most expensive legendary card, though? That's kind nah, of insane, not, right? It is a little insane, but you know, um, Lexi mains are committed. They love they the hero, committed. but it's also one of the most unique legendary effects in the game. That's true. It's like it um, changes the rules of the game, right? It just says, "Hey, I'm gonna have two arsenals." Yeah, I mean, I saw a cold foil one on Facebook that somebody was trying to sell for a hundred and five dollars, and I was like, "Yeah, maybe." And then I didn't I get it, and that they was used to snap. Bought that. Um, that said, I think we have um the card that is at its all time highest, 
which I think is very important going into a Nationals meta. Like, what is the card that people are buying the most of going in is the Crown of Providence. That is a $150 card right now. Yeah. Card is wild. Card is incredibly yeah. good. Like, I mean, it the destroyed amount of, Skullcap. We undervalued, uh, not, 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 um, not us personally. I'm saying, like, generally speaking, a lot yeah, of people undervalued yeah. the power of Crown of Providence. And yeah. what it does essentially is um, it card fixes for, for any kind of deck and, and particularly good for aggro decks. It's kind of just like, oh yeah, this is a bad hand. Oh, I'll block your thing. Sure, here. Block for two. Fix my hand. Oh, that's much better. Or alternatively turn my pitch card my arsenal card into a blocking and or pitching card so now yeah. my arsenal now is replaced by a card draw and i can pitch and block with it it's also like i really for me the thing that was huge is i couldn't tell you how many games i've played where like a very specific card like on briar like a channel mount heroic or something got stuck in my arsenal and i was like that's not what i need to do to regain tempo right now um, oh absolutely and I know, I know you and I were like casually playing a game once where, where you were, you were in a position where you were just like, just to get it out of your hand, you had to, uh, I always think about this. You had to arsenal an Ark Knight shard. So I was, oh yeah, <laughs> no, get it this out of is pre crown of Providence because it's like, I yeah, know crown of Providence would have been great there. I think it was because I didn't run a uh, grasp or I had too many rune chance and I couldn't actually activate it. I can't remember what happened. It was um, something where you needed a specific card and it made more sense for you well, to arsenal that to get a look at it. Well, the reason why I couldn't pitch it instead of arsenaling it yes. was probably because I either ran Vexing Cool Hand and popped it already or because I had uh, Grasp and had too many Rune Chants and didn't have enough uh, to pitch for it. Yeah, that's fair. That makes sense. Either way, though, Crown of Providence would have been great. Oh, um, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm excited to, uh, to finish adding my algorithm to the rest of this. Uh, so it pops up lowest, and we'll be able to just immediately put in price data, have it show up. Um, I have the algorithm set up for the next four months of data. It should work. Um, and then we'll see. So I think uh, on the whole... That about does it. Well, I actually oh. would like to swiftly interject. Okay. We got to talk about this. Uh-oh, what happened? Fabrary and FabDB. Oh my goodness, I forgot all about this. The Civil War of Flesh and Blood. Yeah, right. uh, so this is pretty interesting to me. Um... I don't know. I don't know why they're going at each other's throats. Uh, like they, the Fabrary and FabDB are definitely unfriendly at the moment. But I don't know. See, I'm I don't not know familiar. why they're trying to conquer each other. See, I'm not familiar with the the contest contention. I understand why it's there, probably. But here's the thing: like Fabrary is just a super superior tool like it's as far as like you like convenience wise goes it's so easy to use correct right? fab db on the other hand is more appealing to use 
I admit that much. But it, there's so many things wrong with FabDB. Right? Yeah. Just, there's so many bugs. Uh, there's just, you know, issues with it. Um, you know, it, and they are only just now starting to be feel pressured enough to pump out features and fixes because February is really like putting out good shit. Like this is like a, a very well made like deck builder, right? And they are they before I think FabDB, I might be wrong, but they were first to have the uh Talishar um compatibility, like to play on Flesh and Blood Online. Yeah. Which is a whole nother thing that we should talk about because that's an that is a big up and coming um like that's a big thing going on right now is this whole flesh and blood online. It's revolutionized things. And at first I honestly didn't really think it was like that big a deal. I'm like, wow, okay, cool. Like I I get that people gotta play test online, but everyone's really, really making a big hoo-ha about this thing. And then I started playing on Talishar.net. I'm like, okay, yeah, I see why. Like if enough people are on it, like you can, you can really jam out games quickly. Like, yeah, absolutely. It's like finding a. It's you could find a match faster on Talishar on it than you can finding a like a match on Arena for Magic. Yeah, like honestly, like I mean, it might take a little bit longer because you've got a sideboard and do all preboard and all that, right? But yeah. It's honestly, it feels faster. Yeah, I mean, it, it absolutely is, and it's uh, it's it's good to have a um, an online client that isn't pushed by a company that has something to gain from it. I think that Correct. is like one of the biggest parts. And it's not monetized. I mean, they have a Patreon, but that's totally optional, and you only get really like what, like extra benefits. Not even like a necessary thing. I and, and as an example of like how revolutionary this has been is like me who has had who has five work days a week. I didn't get to drive down Saturday 35 minutes or 40 minutes to my local armory, which is the what I have to drive every week if I want to play armory, flesh and blood. Uh, my buddies up here near me have not had an opportunity to come and meet to play test. So I started playing Talishar online to try it. And I must have jammed at minimum 20 games all week long while on breaks at work or at home because of Flesh and Blood Online or Talishar Night rather, sorry. Um, so I've gotten a lot of practice that I really need to prepare for the calling that I would not have gotten otherwise. Yeah. Right. Or, or, or rather, I'm sorry, because Tabletop Simulator is still a thing. But needless, either way, that is playtesting that is done digitally. Very conveniently yeah. as well. And also, it doesn't require you to own a tabletop simulator, and it doesn't require you to have a graphics, uh, like a minimum graphics uh, capacity on your PC. You could do this on your phone, Talishar, if you really wanted. The UI is super wonky if you like reduce the screen space, but it's possible. Yeah. And I think, um, I mean, it's weird to me that, I mean, I guess it makes sense because you're not really reading the cards that way. Um, 
it's for me it's taking a little bit of time to get used to the magic arena style of like um oh for sure whatever you want to call it the shrunken card but yeah this is a this is a great thing and i can't believe um can't believe one person just coded all this in php that's insane are you serious yeah this is only one dude i mean it's even crazier that it's in php but that's 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 its own discussion holy Um, smokes i mean this is like i mean i would really love to find i mean it does say support us at the top but who's to say um who's to say what exactly that means uh I really, I do want to look a little bit more into like how many people are running Talishar because to me, it, to me, what the way it looks and the way it's coded to me, it says it's just one person running this in PHP, uh, and it's really cool. So yeah, yeah, this is amazing. Uh, like, I I understand, like I understand that they don't want an online client official one, right? In part, and they're just avoiding a um a future. Uh, lawsuit or issue by just renaming it to Talishar, which is smart. Yeah. Um. But you know, just to the whole Fabry FabDB thing, I think you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's like um, you know, innovations in the online space of like card assortment planning, testing, um, you know deck construction all these innovations are all welcome right and like if fabdb is willing to put in the work to like update their shit and get it all and get it all together and fix it like they're still welcome and as is fabbrary because fabbrary provides a great tool a much better in my opinion like organization for seeing like tournament deck lists right and like convenient links and everything all next to everything it's all just very convenient and fabdv has got a very beautiful site and they are also one of the first so yeah fabdb is one person i do know that for a fact um so i don't know it's interesting it is very interesting i mean obviously i think a lot of the a lot of the backlash that we've seen in fabdb this week is because they switched to a subscription model um oh what happened about that i didn't know they took some features away that you now need to be a subscriber to use. Uh, like so what? it has something I, I didn't really look that much into it. I know that I know that some people were talking about it. Um, huh. I am doing a really bad job. No worries. <laughs> I mean, I, we, we kind of like weren't, t- weren't totally sure. Uh, I'm, at least I'm not totally sure what features those might be, but here, let's see. Um, I don't know. They just they have a subscription thing, and I know they took some stuff away. Um, but that said, they are super buggy. Like the ability to uh, they they had a bug where they were you were having trouble exporting deck lists this week. Um, where they just uh, just they one of their variables fell out of scope. It was like a typing mm. error. Uh, if they have bug bounties, feel free to call me. Oh, that'd be <laughs> great. I can tell you exactly how to fix your website. Um, so I don't know. It is interesting. I. I think it's also the weird thing where FabDB is just like a place to throw up your idea where it's not like Fabrary has like Fabrary sources these from tournament decks. And I don't know. I don't like that they're at war, though, because if just one of them wins and they'll both be lazy and the competition's really good. Yeah, I think it's good. Generally, however this all pans out, I think it's definitely uh, better. 
Absolutely. Um, and, and, you know, like you said, it's, uh, February is pulling data and then FabDB is a collection of, uh, submitted deck lists, you know? So. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I need to, I need to research this a little bit more. So I have more to talk about it. Oh, for time. sure. Um, but yeah, now I think that does it. Absolutely. Right? I think we have covered as much as we can this week. Uh, next week we will be reporting to you just hours before or days, a couple days before the, uh, the beginning of nationals, us nationals. Oh yeah, I guess we will. Won't we? Yeah. And then the following week, we will be reporting after nationals discussing, of course, the winner. We will. And my experience qualifiers and the winner. Yeah. And I'll talk about how I won the U.S. calling uh, event at Charlotte. That's right. We'll have the exclusive. The exclusive because I'm going to win. That's what I've been referring to myself lately as uh, the future Charlotte calling winner. So. Yeah, people will be like, "Can you come on my podcast?" And we'll be Manifest like, you can "Come destiny, on, my you know podcast." I mean? I'm gonna, I'm gonna give Visceral them living legend points as much as it pains me, but it's gonna happen. It's yeah, it's gonna happen. It needs it's gonna to happen. 100. I'm gonna put our. Uh, oh, and I even ordered a new uh, uh, pitch stack playmat playmat <laughs> pitch stack podcast play <laughs> uh, pitch out podcast playmat. Oh, that's a tongue twister. Pitch stack um, podcast playmat. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> precisely. Pitch stack podcast so, playmat. Uh, and I will uh, be at the calling in Charlotte. If you see me, I will have the playmat with a QR code. If you're listening to this, that's not helpful to you because you're already following us. <laughs> but anyone else who hasn't listened to our podcast gets to listen to it. Just, you know, scan the QR code and follow us on there. So absolutely. Um, yeah, right on. Cool. Sweet. All right. Well, That'll do it for episode 25, and we'll see you next week. See you next week. See you.